Welcome to 52 Episodes to Science Fiction Film Literacy. My name is Chris Garcia. Roll sound. Today we're talking about the 1950s coming sort of full circle. And what really happened to make that possible was paranoia, to be honest. And part of that paranoia was based on the explosion of the atomic bombs over Hiroshima and Nagasaki, of course, but also how America was moving forward into sort of new territories. And there's also this sort of fear of the Soviets, in particular the ways in which we thought they were infiltrating us. And this is really important because science fiction latched onto these things and created this sort of new world of of paranoid science fiction. And you had films like Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And even the day the Earth stood still to a degree, we're taking these big ideas and running with them. And The Thing from Another World definitely had that as well. And it's an interesting question of the authorship of this film. And the reason for that is, one, it's credited to Howard Hawks. Though Christian Nyby apparently did the real direction on it, but there's lots of arguing about that. But there's also the idea that it was based on a 1938 story by John Campbell, sort of the dean of science fiction. He used the name Don A. Stewart at the time, which seems odd. The film is basically... A Air Force crew goes up to, I think it's Alaska, and they are, they've heard that there's a flying saucer that's crashed, and they find this radioactive thing in the ice, and they eventually, of course, melt it, and it comes to life, and eventually it's revealed that it's this plant guy played brilliantly by James Arness. And, of course, it eats blood, and it attacks people, and it's really a fascinating little film. What we realize here is, one, there's a theme that what we don't understand is smarter than we think. For example, The Thing, which we're assuming is this sort of more plant, not really human, but it does something really smart. It takes out the heating line, and that's brilliant, because it forces them, since they're in Alaska, to go to the generator room, which means they're going to be outside, which means they can be attacked. And Paul Frees, in an excellent performance as Dr. Voorhees, just absolutely kills it. He's so good. And we have another doctor, Dr. Carrington, who is, I don't want to say, he's what we fear science is. That we're afraid that the scientists have no idea of what they're doing and how it will affect the rest of us. And so Carrington creates 
these clippings of the, I guess they're sort of seed pods that he then grows, but, and he believes that he can actually work with them and turn them into something valuable and important, but they require blood to survive, so they have to eat people, or dogs, they eat a lot of dogs in this movie, and things sort of happen that are impressive. I think the best performances here are Paul Frees, James Arness is great, and Margaret Sheridan is really solid in this, and I'm really impressed that she put on this sort of amazing performance in an interestingly small role. And we have a number of sort of things here that make, that amp up the paranoia. And the last line of the film sort of sums it up. Tell the world, tell this to everybody, wherever they are. Watch the skies everywhere. Keep looking. Keep watching the skies. How is that not the most paranoid concept? And it's in a way, it's, it's the 50s summed up. It's pass it on. The bad guys are everywhere. And if we don't stay vigilant, we're going to miss them. And they're going to destroy us. And you can apply that single concept to everything in the 1950s, from the civil rights struggle to the Red Scare, all of it. It's this idea that we have to remain vigilant and we have to keep looking and keep watching to stop these things from changing our lives, from killing us. Now, of course, there are lots of arguments about who directed it, Hawks or Nyby. I tend to think this is a Nyby production because while... While Howard certainly had major, major play on this, it's not a Howard Hawks film. And if you look at the rest of his career, this film is nothing like his other works. That said, there are some Hawks signatures, and I really think that it's probably a very good combination of the two. And this led to a 1982 remake, of course, by John Carpenter, which I consider to be the better film. It's it's used the advances, and this is why remakes are important and good uh, sometimes. Because what they do is they allow you to look at the story, but using new technologies. And so here, they actually manage to have the technology to give you a thing that actually goes and changes the physical uh, appearance and the mental take. And there's lots more. I mean, just lots more depth to that story. There's depth here. But times had also changed. The paranoia was different in the 80s than in the 50s. But it's still present. And hell, it's still present today. And they remade it a couple years ago. And that one stands, I think, slightly below 82 and probably even with Think From Another World. But one of the reasons why The Thing from Another World is so important is that it laid the foundation for those films that followed on. And it's not a perfect film. It's a good film. It's a very good film. And I would argue that the 1982 version of The Thing is a great film. And what happened was we had the wonderful basis on which could be baked. And that itself was based on 
a story. The Campbell story. So it's constant reinvention of this idea. But all of them do one thing incredibly well. They stay true to that first story. They may change the elements because they don't have the ability to do certain things. But they work with it in such a way that remains true to it. I don't think they failed at that at all. Now, of course, several things have happened in the history of film since 1951 that have made it a masterpiece, I think, in the eyes of many. I don't tend to hold the masterpiece idea, but it's fairly good. It's really good. And I think it's important, and I would say more important than the 1982 version, because it shows the road that 1950 science fiction was going down far more than Destination Moon or Rocket Chick XM, which, though they had definite importance and impact on the, the field, didn't show the impact that The Thing did, because The Thing was really the start of that paranoid 1950 science fiction. And I think that, more than anything, makes it well worth watching.